How many times have you seen a ball just go into the water and there's, there's a little ledge and they're trying to get it with the club because they really want to get that ball and then they fall in? I've seen that twice. <laughs> so in, in theory, we, the ball retriever could be saving lives. <laughs> Buy a ball retriever. The life you save may be your own. <laughs> yes! right. Hello, friends, and thanks for coming back for episode number 54 of No Putts Given. More new releases this week, and we take on the stigma of ball retrievers. Let's get it. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. Congratulations to DogDaddy47 on Twitter, winner of a Honma XP1 driver. Follow us on social for your chance to participate in future contests and giveaways. everybody like i said thanks for being here don't forget to like subscribe follow us tag us on instagram do all of those things that you guys in the internet world do but here we are again for episode number 54 we've got tony harry and chris here everybody say hi yo hey Ryder. we played <laughs> wiffle ball yesterday on the beach and harry bless his heart doesn't know all the baseball rules and there's a point where harry is heading towards second and he runs through second and my dad tags him and it turned into this like World War Three. Is Harry out or is Harry excused because he didn't know the rule? I don't know. <laughs> is Harry out or ignorant? Question mark. <laughs> uh, probably both. <laughs> they anyway, they put me back in and then we uh, and then I scored a home run. Well, a grand slam because we were bases were loaded, so suck it. He did. <laughs> I scored one. You scored a you scored yeah, a grand he scored slam. a home run. <laughs> I give it a good whack. That's what I did. I give it a good whack. I would certainly hope so. <laughs> yep. We'll go ahead and jump into the topics for this week. So first up, we've got the new Callaway B21 in the Big Bertha lineup releasing this week. So I want to know, will it cure your slice? Tony, why don't you jump right into this one? I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't slice the ball. I'm, I'm I'm more the opposite of that type of thing. I'm a I'm a serial hooker, if you will. It just that sounds a little awkward. Um, but I, I do like the premise here. What what separates the BB or the BB the B twenty one the BBB twenty one from other the big Bertha B twenty one from other anti slice drivers is that in talking to the Callaway guys, I sort of described it as a more forgiving tailor-made sldr with some slice correction the whole idea being we're gonna we're gonna take the center of gravity push it low and forward and that's a recipe for killing spin and so if you can if you can do that what callaway says happens is you get these longer straighter drives and if you are a slicer you you no longer have to sort of aim left and and wait for it to come back you can actually just aim right down the middle of the fairway and, and get good results better results than you're going to get with a conventional driver so well, yeah, I, I I actually think this is this is a really solid release. Okay, all right, Chris, what do you think? The Callaway Big Bertha B twenty one is it going to cure your slice? There's a lot of consonants involved uh, in there. I'd like to buy. Yeah, I'd like to buy a vowel first, and then yeah. I guess my biggest question with this is kind of what Tony alluded to, which is: Is it going to be? better at doing what it purports to do than other things that we've seen in that area, right? Like, so Ping, SFT, uh, driver models have historically tested really well for people that fight that left-right ball flight, the the slicers, if you will. 
Um, I like it because it's a it's it's actually a different story. It's not the same story and just trying to put a bunch of marketing mumbo jumbo around what's effectively the same technology that somebody else has. This is actually a different story with different talking points to it. Now, the other piece to that is if you're a bad golfer and you slice the ball a lot, I don't know that there's technology that's going to entirely fix that. I mean, if you are hitting this 40, 50, 60 yard slice, there's a reality there that, that there's certain things that cause certain ball flights and, and we're trying to mitigate those and, and how much can we help mitigate them for the average golfer? You know, we'll see. Um, but I don't think anything's going to turn somebody's 40, 50 yard slice into, you know, this nice tight high draw. It may just make it a little bit less bad, which is good. Less bad is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's less math. bad is good. Yeah. All right. Harry, what do you think? The Callaway B21, can it cure a slice? It can help somewhat if it does exactly what it says on the tin. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of uh, anti-slice drivers out there on the market right now. So I I kind of feel like this is just going back into that kind of category. So they have an anti-slice driver um, within that Callaway lineup. They are, I mean, they have that with Maverick Max, though. Yes, so this is, yes, yeah, they did. Right. This is like we're going to do this completely differently than. No, than I, I get else. it, and I, I get that low swing, uh, low spin is the way to go. But if you're a guy who kind of struggles with carrying it further and needs to carry objects and and bunkers and water, whatever, it's not going to be that one. It might help with the anti slice, but you might not carry as far, so you might still be in trouble in that aspect. So. I like the concept of the low spin, but if you're on a course that you need to carry a lot of, say, hazards, it's it's one of those ones where you might need to think of something out that gives you a little bit more spin, but might not be a, a longest driver for you. Okay. All right, moving on. We've also been doing some work with the Flight Path T in the studio. We'll have that lab test out eventually, because uh, we're still in the middle of it, but... Harry, you've been working with the tee. I want to know, is it the most advanced golf tee on the market? No. Okay. <laughs> Would uh, you care to expand? <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of marketing BS when it comes to these kind of things. And I'm just going to say it how it is. And and from what I've seen in testing so far, if anything, it's, it, it annoys me. Because you <laughs> you have to, you can't get the ball on the tee. It won't stay on it. If it's vertical, the, the ball will roll off. And then any wind, you ain't getting that ball on. So you have to tilt it back a little bit for the ball to stay on. And then that changes the launch angle, which promotes you know the more consistent launch angle. So if you want a lower launch, yes, you could tee it down a little bit lower, but then you're potentially creating a little bit more spin because you're teeing it down lower in theory. It's, I don't know, it's... I, I don't see anything that is really definitive that says this is going to help your game by five strokes. What do they say it does? I mean, I mean I'm not, I haven't. It says it's straight. Full it, disclosure. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time studying up on T technology. Longer, straighter, Long, lower spinning. Yeah. All the, yeah. all the ones that you normally, uh, normally see. It tastes great. Less filling. It's yeah. <laughs> well, Tony, why don't you run us through some of the, propose things that this tee is supposed to help you with or correct and and also give us your opinion is it the most advanced golf tee on the market 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you would expect from anybody making a golf performance claim. So, more speed, higher launch, low spin, tighter dispersion, less less side spin, if you will, is kind of what we were deciphered they were going for. And like like every other company that, that makes a claim like this, they have, you know, golf labs data to support the claim. Uh, they don't really go into kind of the specificity and whether or not... You know, this this data is even the slightest bit statistically significant, even if we're talking like a 40% confidence interval or something like that. Have we seen any lab come back from golf labs where they're like, oh, God, you know, damn it. It came back and it told us, you know, like our product sucks. And so yeah, it turns out it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure it happens, but I mean, in independent testing, it wasn't nearly as good as it was in our own. Right. Uh, I was talking to Adam about it when I was in Japan. Like there are literal sections of golf stores carved out for it's it's essentially the tea department. And there's like just hundreds of, of kind of these these wacky designs and you know, you can go back through recent history with obviously things like the flight path and the the tomahawk was a thing for a while. What was the one what was the one with the little um bristles, the bristle teas? That's the brush tea, the totem yeah, the tea brush was tea. a yeah. Something called a totem tee, where it's just basically a cardboard tube, and you need a tool to insert it into the ground. And you know they all make the same claims, same flavor of claims, and and ultimately, number one tee on, on on the PGA Tour year after year after year after year, right? Is not is wood. <laughs> Bryson is not using a brush tee, right? Brooks isn't teeing it up with a a flight path, right? There's if if something's quantifiably better, those guys are going to figure it out and use it. Laura Davies doesn't even use a tee, right? Yeah, doesn't Laura Davies just, you know, hit the mound? Dirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, not with yeah. a driver. Sometimes in the wind. But I actually I actually um, walked around watching her at Kingsmill Resort um, when they had the, the LPGA down there. And yeah, she'll just... I do it as well. It's, it's, it might be an English thing. Where if you're on a par three and you want to get the same kind of like turf interaction... You just you press it down like you bang bang the uh, ground. It pops up a little bit, and you just place it on that little bit of grass, and then bang, shaboom! You're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, I want you to get your time as well. So All maybe right. we'll change the the question a little bit. Can a golf tee be advanced? Are are they just you know is it just marketing claims that'll never come to fruition? We need triaxial carbon fiber i think is probably the long-term answer here i was gonna say yeah we need some t2c carbon fiber we need some, you know i mean maybe you know can it be advanced sure i mean you could use different materials they could you know do something that's more like biodegradable environmentally sensitive um things that have benefits beyond performance but um again i like analogies the paperclip can you make a better paperclip fair enough yeah, you know, why why have why have they not improved on the paperclip or the 3M sticky note or you know some of these things that are just so basically functional that it kind of is what it is. Um, and so you know your stock wooden tee. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I mean you can add like we talked about like waist increase distance, right? If you you know I like having like the lines on them, um, so you know how far to put the tee in the ground, maybe to get a consistent tee height. So can you advance some of those things? Yeah, I would certainly think so. But in its basic format, you know, there's a reason I still use a lot of paper clips. And I would imagine from a performance standpoint, you know, if there's a list of 100 things that golfers can invest in to improve performance on the course, that's probably 105th, 110th on the list. 
his his what are they harry they're like five, five for 24 dollars they're five dollars a tea oh wow um which is ridiculous it is just kind of and the reason why they say it's because you once you have one you'll never need another tea because it does not break <coughs> and you broke one right? and we broke two in in <laughs> testing so i mean that claim is is completely false and they're saying i think it's like 50 wooden teas it's it's as strong as that, if not more. It just keeps on going, and we've broken too. So, I'm not. I'm not spending that much money. I'd rather spend that on like four beers. Yeah, and if you're really, <laughs> if you're really smart about it, you do what I did every time I came play with Tony. Is I would just find like the free, you know, tea area, like, and then you get your couple, three, four handfuls, jam those in your bag. I think I still have teas from McGregor, you know, which is great. Yeah, exactly. Just, just go, just go whenever you go to play a, a golf course. A nice course. They'll give you the free teas. Just come up with your big bag and just actually just yep. dump them all in there and bang, and then you're sorted. Yep, and then you got money left for beer. For beers, exactly. That's the main important thing. Yeah, you're talking about a golf tee that costs as much as a Pro V1. I uh, get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Harry, I'm coming to you first again because my favorite buyer's guide of the year came out yesterday. I want you to elaborate. I'm not going to give you much to go on here, but ball retrievers? I mean, they're the bee's knees. Here we go. They are the future, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the future of what? <laughs> I was just going to say, the future of... I mean, at the end of the day, this gets so much traffic. And it's not because we do it for traffic. It's because they actually save you money at the end of the day. Um, when it comes... The average cost of a ball is around about 3 to $5 if you get like a, a premium kind of golf ball. So... Something that is not trash. They're exactly. So it's not if a ball that actually is decent. And if if you're having a bad day at the office, it's it's one of those ones where oh, <laughs> I could lose. I played with a guy who plays Pro V's and he's lost twelve golf balls in a round. A round? Yeah. Yep. He had a bad bad Good day. Lord. It was a lot of water. And I was like, <laughs> dude, get yourself a ball retriever. You'll be able to at least recover half of those that are kind of in the woods. If not, you might be able to find some that you can reuse. At the end of the day, it's there to save you money. And it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't slow the game down because the people who have these ball retrievers, if they're out of the hole, they can fish around looking for balls whilst uh, those putt on the golf course. And hey, you might find some nice ones in the meantime. You guys talked about the free tea bins. Exactly. Why not? The, a lake is a free ball this, bin. This is, <laughs> there you go. I would jokingly say it's, it's a product for fishermen who don't have access to a boat. How many balls are actually lost a year in the United States alone, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's millions, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it doesn't mean we need guys that are supposed to be playing golf out trying to find them. But you joke, but it's- At the end of the day, they're saving the environment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I, all right. Done. Uh, I, guess, I guess we could, could maybe concede that point. Um, it's one of those things, right? It's easy to mock real golfers, make fun of them all the time, right? But- I mean, how, how many different models did we have in our test, Harry? And whatever that number is, my thinking is, like, there wouldn't be that many this, if yeah. companies weren't selling a lot of them. And so. if they didn't work, I mean, it's the, you know, Miranda, I think, what, what, what analogy did you use? You know, they're the kind of the pocket protectors. Yep, they're the pocket protectors of golf. I mean, you look at those guys who wear pocket protectors and you think, oh, they're geeks, they're nerds. What? Who needs to carry around a pin that might potentially leak? But if that's a nice shirt. 
I would not put a pen in this shirt without a pocket no. protector. Exactly. Well, you know, you don't you don't want to bleed onto one of your pineapples. That's, <laughs> sounds like a personal. <laughs> that's issue. a life lesson right there. It <laughs> <That> is. <laughs> I here here's the thing with the ball retrievers, they are ridiculously functional. They are like and the mini, to me they're like the minivan of the golf <laughs> industry where they make so much sense. They're they they save you money over the long term, right? They mm-hmm. they can take people who otherwise maybe can't focus for an entire round of golf and occupy some of that <laughs> downtime, and so they're over there fishing, whatever. <laughs> and they think they've done something. It gives people a sense of accomplishment. Like if you've mm-hmm. ever seen somebody that you know find their ball and oh, I think I can get this one. I think I can get it. Oh, I'm, you know, there's a sense of satisfaction that that people derive from. Uh, from doing that and yeah if you're spending four or five dollars a golf ball that thing's going to pay for itself in one two rounds so from an investment standpoint it's a no-brainer again optics aside i love it i think it's fantastic i teach my kids how to use one i was gonna say I, this just occurred to me what if you brought your kid and just it, it's free babysitting and told them to go find golf balls for dad yeah. yes <sighs> free babysitting <laughs> a, a ball retriever or even as chris said like finding golf balls can kind of take the sting out of an eight <laughs> having yeah. to write the snowman on the card i remember when i was uh there's a course i play i've been in a long time a little south of here but like on the 16th or 17th hole I invariably sliced two off into the woods right i'd be like well you know you finish the hole i'll catch up with you and and I did it so often that I learned where balls collected on that particular hole. So I'd go out in the woods, and in the span of time it took everybody else to finish, I'd come out with two dozen plus and be like, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Most of them were Slazengers. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, not a, not a massive victory. But every now and then you'd be like, all right, Pro V1, that was worth it. Yeah, Tony's like, hey, what'd you make on that hole? He's like, I made a moose, but I found a dozen balls, you know? like <laughs> Pockets would be full. Be like, ah. Here's the thing, though. I have seen this happen twice. How many times have you seen a ball just go into the water and there's and it's like a little, there's a little ledge and they're trying to get it with the club because they really want to get that ball and then they fall in. I've seen that twice. I've never seen. <laughs> so in, in theory, we the ball retriever could be saving lives, you know, because if you don't know how to swim, it could be saving lives. <laughs> I think it's got multifunctional, the saving environment, the saving lives, the giving you golf balls back. I can't argue this. <laughs> buy, buy a ball retriever. The life you save may be your own. Yes. <laughs> Boom. By, by next week, I think, Harry, you come up with a list. What are five to ten other things that you could use a ball retriever for? Since you're on, oh. I mean, if we're saving oh. the environment, we're saving life, like. COVID stick. Like, stay six feet away, but this is like 12 foot. <laughs> There's so many. Social distance. Social That's distance. That's good. All right. Let me, uh, let me reel it in. <laughs> ball joking aside, ball Sorry. retrievers do, say, do, do save you it's- money. There, there is no not joking about this. <laughs> yes, from a financial standpoint. Yes, they are absolutely, yep. absolutely a money maker or saver. But Tony, we now know it could save your life. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I really had never thought of it in that context. I will admit. <laughs> <laughs>
Tony, I'll come to uh, you for this one first. I'm going to take a minute on this one as well. But um, Callaway, in addition to their B21, the drivers and the irons, also launched their women's brand platform that they're calling Reva, which is short for Revolution. Um, And under that, the first products to come out are a line of ladies clubs. And so I want to know, are these the best clubs on the market for women? I, you know, I... I've I've never played a women's club. That's yeah, I've swung a few. We did a we did a small test a few years ago that was kind of interesting to kind of actually hear from women on what they thought about products and have them hit products, but yeah, I don't know. I think more than anything it's I, I don't know if experiments the right word, but I think golf companies are trying to figure out how to reach women golfers. What do we need to do from a product standpoint? What's the right messaging? Where do we broadcast that message? These type of questions. And so I I think Reva is a solid stab at at trying to figure some of that out. And I think ultimately it's going to evolve. But as you and I have discussed, and I'm sure you'll weigh in on there's a little bit of, from what we see anyway, kind of this fracture in, in what you would in the women's market, you have, you have a segment that of women who say, look, you know, I'm, I'm a golfer, period. That's, that's where the conversation ends the, and it begins. And so I don't, I don't need a women's specific golf club. I need a golf club that fits me and, and I want to have the same technology that the men have. And I don't want to be segmented based on my gender and that's the end of it. And then you have another segment that, you know, and I think this is kind of what Callaway is trying to reach where we know that there are women who want to find, who want to walk into a, a, a golf shop and find products that, that they feel were made especially for them. And so I think, you know, Callaway's probably done some market research and just like you do with a men's club you say, Hey, where, where's, where's the fat part, part of the market? Where's the majority? Where's my opportunity? And, and I think Reva is born of where they think that is. Okay. So the question is, are these the best clubs for women? And I think the answer has to be no. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the club. Don't even have to swing it to be able to answer no, because there is no one club for women. So how can it be the best one? And that's the issue that I take with the premise of women's clubs is that it seems as if women get put into one box and there is an assumption that all of us have at least similar or the same needs. And so then there would be something that could collectively work for women as a whole. It's a, it's as if for some reason there's this disconnect that men can be varied and women are not. And I don't know why that that happens, but women are as varied as men. And so when I see, you know, there's three versions of the Maverick out, I'm like, okay, so why would there be three versions of this, but only one version of this? And, and I don't understand the gendered labeling in that sense, because In other sports, like for instance, if you take the difference between baseball and softball, there's different equipment needs because the ball's bigger, the length between the bases are shorter. So yeah, you're going to have different bats, different weights, different gloves to accommodate. Soccer should all be the same. Golf, I think the only difference there is height. So if that's the only consideration, I think the answer to that question has to be no, because women are as varied as men. And so how can we say that one club is the best for them? So Chris, how about you? What do you think? Two things. Um, number one, I think I think you're right in terms of some of this latent language that we see around gendered issues. And, and what I mean by that is this. Uh, you take last week, there was a U.S. amateur 
uh, event there. Uh, obviously, we got PGA Tour stuff every week. There was a, a women's LPGA event uh, that Stacy Lewis ended up winning, and and Stacy was very outspoken about the pace of play. Um, she was playing with uh, two players that are notoriously slow golfers. And when you read a lot of the comments uh, on the male side, it was pointing out individuals. You know, this player is super slow. That player is super slow. And then on the women's side, it was like, hey, women's golf is really slow. Um, they didn't necessarily want to right. segment it by the player. And so I don't know if that's intentional, um, you know, to say, hey, we, we want to paint this with, you know, one single brush and say that women's golf is slow. But that's certainly the way that I read it. I think there is the, you know, for whatever reason, that that's a a habit we've gotten into. I think the other point is where do you create meaningful differentiation for a product? We know if you're a golf company, you're trying to sell product, you got to make it different. And sometimes mm -hmm. that difference is important. And there's an interesting story to it. Like we said, with the, with the BBB 21 <laughs> stuff, it's a different way about going a, a story where, you know, it's a distinction maybe and a difference. And, and there's something really intriguing about that. Um, on the female side, as a dad of seven daughters and, and some girls that like to play golf and, and certainly play other sports, it's, it's interesting that um, in general, they're not looking at the equipment itself as a place of where they want to see something that maybe does appeal to a female more than it would to a male. They're looking at, again, just using my daughter specifically, clothes, apparel, stuff like that, where it's like, oh, that's a really cute hat. Oh, I love those shoes. They're not going, oh, man, I want those pink golf clubs, you know? And they've right. done, I think, a pretty good job with the aesthetic of not kind of doing the whole shrink it and pink it type thing. But it's, mm -hmm. it's again, in the specific labeling of, hey, these are clubs for women. These are clubs for girls. The, the club doesn't know who's swinging it. The ball doesn't know who's swinging it. So why are we not separating it by swing speed, height, ability, player characteristics that are independent of gender. And the only reason to really ultimately to do that is to try to create distinction, to take uh, take advantage of some market share opportunities, perhaps, yep. and increase sales. I actually don't like the idea of gendered golf clubs as, as a premise, um, but I also really, I understand why golf, you know, why golf companies yep. want to do that. All right, Harry, what do you think? I can understand why there's only typically one type of driver for ladies because if they did multiple offerings they're not going to sell and they're going to lose money on that purely because that's the market that we live in today but i do yep. agree i think it i think it should be a a multiple a multitude of drive different types of drivers for swing speeds not just ladies at the end of the day there are men golfers out there that are slow swing speeds and it should be catered to them as well. And the only thing that should change is the length. And I know you change, once you change the length, you're gonna change the swing weights and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it should be on uh, swing speeds and your height of your individual. With this, with this line here, I think they did a good job of at least starting the conversation up again. Um, but the obviously the verbiage needs to be better they need to not label it as ladies it should be swing speeds instead of ladies i'm i'm guessing that they have marketing data that says yeah that, they have you know, the right way to go that, is that is to work, is to yeah. call it women's clubs and from a fitting perspective it's it's tricky right because it when you see that there are three mavericks and one reva it it certainly gives the appearance that you're you're shortchanging women 
but if you kind of lay those every you know the, the entire Callaway lineup right four drivers you know there there is a plot right where hey if if we say hey Reva is our call it our women's driver what we're really talking about is is a lightweight option that that fits somebody who maybe yes. isn't as tall and has a slower swing speed and then kind of if you progress and go all right well person's a little taller a little faster still needs some of the spin and forgiveness well now you're into maverick max and, and you just keep going so you know there 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 really are if you, if you can think about it if there are four drivers in the entire callaway lineup then there are four drivers that could be for a woman but one that is for women <laughs> right i completely agree with that and that was sort of my point when i said that no, these aren't the best clubs for women because they might be, if you're a female golfer, it might be good for you, but it also might not. So that you should peruse the men's options and you really should get fit. And I think that's part of the problem is that um, golf retailers are lazy in that aspect. So for example, I walked up to somebody at the PGA show, we were kind of building my bag, seeing what would be best for me. And he goes, all right, so how about a ladies club? And if I didn't have Harry there, I would have been fit into a club that didn't work for me just because I was a woman. Harry stood up and said, no, no, her swing speed's too fast. That won't work. And I'm not going to say I'm far beyond the ladies clubs because I'm not. I think I'm in the, like the next option up or something like that. But I would have been misfit just because I am a woman. And I think that probably happens time and time again. Yeah, I think I think you're right that there is probably and. You know, this isn't on Callaway necessarily. This is sort no, of just no, the no. world and, and fitters, if you will, and big box to a degree. But it's yes, that individual was not with Callaway. Right, you, but you sort of walk in and, and with a with a male, there probably is that. Hey, all right, take a couple swings, and and mm -hmm. we'll figure out where to begin. Whereas with, I think you're, it's probably fairly common that a woman walks in and goes, "All right, we're going to start here because I see that <laughs> right. you are a woman." Yep. One last thing, just super quick, is, sure. you know, you think about all the things you need to go play golf, right? And um, it's funny how we don't, you know, when we're talking about golf balls, we're not talking about men's golf balls and women's golf balls. We talk about golf mm -hmm. balls based on performance. And, and really, that's what clubs are, right? They're a tool in in that part of the equation. Like, I was just sitting here thinking, like, what if you walked into Home Depot and they're like, oh, oh, okay, the women's lawnmowers are over here <laughs> and, you know, the junior hammers are over here and, oh, you want a saw? Okay, well, the saw for um, seniors are over there. Oh, by the way, did I tell you where the women's lawnmowers were? Yeah, they're, they're the light <laughs> pink ones over here. Like, you would never, ever do that. People don't even think about because it, it's a utilitarian piece to it I, I i would love again to see some company really go and i and i know there's probably market research says there's an opportunity there and they haven't figured out um really how to message it super well yet if a company can figure out how to message it and do that that'd be interesting i think you i think the issue and i'm not i'm not pinpointing callaway on this because i haven't spoken to them specifically about it but i think if you want to market to women you really have to get women involved in your process and i think that that's a problem across the golf industry and it doesn't exist well they they technically have yes but who are they well they said that they're the r d team who are these women well are they <laughs> they said that they have talked to the a multitude of women in their own um, company about this product and the LPGA. Yes, but then I want to see them involved in the execution of it as well. There is an element, right? Can you can you personalize this? 
above and beyond right. the hey we you know we have mm-hmm. a binder full of women we spoke with right, <laughs> right. and that's part of the thing is that if okay so i'll say women are put in a box or maybe they're put in a binder and that's the <laughs> difference i think that's the difference. But again, like I said, this is not a Callaway problem. It, we just happen to use their new brand as a launching point for this discussion. But there is that too. And I, we're, we're guilty of this, right? We are we are three men and, and Miranda and it's, but, but across the industry, it doesn't matter what the product is. And, and I've talked about the, the very few exceptions that I've encountered, mm-hmm. but it is overwhelmingly men doing the talking period no matter what the product is and there's across the industry i think i think it's fair to say that that women especially in in technical positions are are significantly underrepresented i mean it's a it's a microcosm of the bigger stem reality there are less women in science technology engineering and math and that relays into golf it just it's a it's a reflection of that it's men designing women's clubs and telling it from a men's, a man's side. I don't want to say that if something is for women that it has to be done by women. I don't want to say that. But I think there's a way to not make it feel like a handout. And I don't know that this does, but I think if there are other women listening to this, they're going to say, yes, there are so many things designed for women that just feels like we're being done a favor. And I'm not saying that that is the case in this particular line, but it happens quite often. So we have a tendency to be defensive of something like that. Is it a little bit like left-handed golfers in a way, kind of? Hmm, Maybe. It is similar in that they don't mm-hmm. have enough market share. Most of that is is a financial, you know, there's a financial element to it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all money. So with, with the men's market in general, again, it's it's largely a known commodity across the board. So we'll use Titleist as an example because they tend to make almost everything they, they do in left-handed models. They, they understand how many of, of each model they expect to sell, how many to make, whether or not they're going to be able to recoup their, their mold costs, where, where they can offset any, any type of loss they take on left-handed equipment. It's the same thing Mizuno does where they can project. It's projections are why they don't make certain clubs in left-handed. Mm-hmm. They, they know they can't, that that audience doesn't exist, that they're not going to sell enough to, to break even. With, with the emerging women's market, if you will, it's still a bit of an unknown. So I, I don't think companies have those detailed projections. They don't, they don't know, you know how many they're really going to sell and, and you know, how, how, even how large the audience actually is at this point. So I think until it reaches the point where, where golf companies know, hey, we're going to make X and we're going to sell Y. And, and so and the volume is there that we can do some other some other niche kind of stuff within the the women's market like they do within the broader market right we have these like you said these low spin things and i don't know maybe it's like a you know a super high launch for an even slower swing speed and and something you know there's there's there is a range and you can continue to push those boundaries but until you understand what the meaty part of the market gets you 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 can't really take on those additional Mm -hmm. pieces yeah the bigger picture to me too here is okay does this line give more, you know, more golfers more options to find something that yes. fits them better? Yeah, it absolutely does. So, so that's a positive. How you get golfers to get to that point without, you know, however many hurdles they need to try to jump over to say, okay, this is the one that actually fits me the best. You know, am I really going to fit this 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 male golfer into the the driver that fits him the best, even if it's marketed specifically for females? You know, that's a 
you know, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I think you might be losing a couple of male or just misfitting them. You know, they're going to say, "Yeah, I want to be I want to be in this one." Right, exactly, that's right. what I mean because they're like I'm not playing ladies clubs. Yeah. We're talking about this in the context of fitting, right? That's a large part of this mm-hmm. discussion. We know that right. even today, Which the majority of men <laughs> men don't get fit. It's, it's reasonable to assume that in that respect, women aren't that much different either, right? To a degree, it does make sense to, to put something on the shelf and say, you know, very overtly, this is for women. So that when oh, a woman who yeah. has no intention of getting fit walks into a golf shop or is browsing the Internet, it's really easy to go, well, shit, this one, because because it says yep. women's and the others don't. Yep. And we're good. Problem solved. I, I when I went from junior clubs to men's clubs, I, I there was too much of a gap for me. I mean, I wasn't the tallest kid and still not the tallest man. Um, well said. <laughs> so I had a, I had a, I had a transition. So you, you hit it farther than people twice your height. Though, yes, so. <laughs> but I went from junior clubs to what it was, ladies clubs, because it fitted me better. But it wasn't to do with ladies clubs. It was, a, it was shorter and lighter, which is what I needed then, because I wasn't strong enough to go into the men's steel regular length. So I transitioned from juniors to the ladies which should have been the slower swing speed category irons and drivers and fairway woods yes but you did i think the problem is is you don't sell as many and that's the crux of the issue okay well if you love our new format as much as we do we promise we'll be better about it in the future (laughs) we just got a little bit off track here but i want to dial it back and get back to it we've got another hot seat this week um we introduced moto caddy an electric cart brand um that's done really well in the uk and is starting to make their mark in the u.s but i want to know from you guys are electric carts taking over the u.s is it the new british invasion (laughs) should they be a thing they should be absolutely, uh, and in fact, as as kind of COVID hit, I had several—I won't say several—a couple guys reach out and go, "Hey, I'm thinking about getting a, a an electric push cart. What's the best one?" Uh, Americans tend to be super pig-headed about these sort of things, and you know, push carts were typically viewed, or in some cases, viewed as a sign of weakness. You know, you should carry your clubs like a man, or or you should drive in a cart like an old man. I'm not sure how that works, but definitely, definitely, don't be in the middle somewhere. Well, don't, whatever you do, don't do it like a woman. Right, That's exactly. Sure. <laughs> but I, I, I love it in premise and I can't wait to, to actually try one because to me there's, there's something, it's like freeing. There's a freedom to walking down the fairway on the, on the off chance I actually put my ball in one, being <laughs> basically totally unencumbered, right? Where the, the cart is, is following you, it's there, but you're, you're not sort of pushing and you're not rolling in a cart and driving. Like it's just the open space around you. And and I find like that's, there's something to that that I really like. And it's, I've experienced it a couple of times when I actually had taken a caddy who carried, carried my clubs where I'm walking, but like it's, yeah, you're just in that space and it, it's really just kind of a, one of the great experiences in golf, in my opinion, and, and a motorized push cart really allows you to do that. All right. That was very poetic. I liked it. Chris, how about you? Electric carts, yes or no? Yes. And I'm nice and relaxed now from Tony's visualization. I'm, it sounded beautiful. I'm walking down a fairway. It might be my fairway. It might be the adjacent fairway. <laughs> Still counts. Doesn't, doesn't really matter at this point. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think there's a natural evolution to these things, and it's uh, perception, 
right? Some of the stigma attached to anything other than walking and carrying your own golf bag. It's very much an experiential thing. I think if you can get people to try it and see what it's like, then you're going to have an opportunity to really, you know, dive in and people are going to say, okay, maybe I would invest in one of these. And so I would love to see courses, you know, bring in three, four, five, ten of them, whatever, not unlike they do with motorized carts, right? And say, okay, let's let's get 10 of these and see if people will actually use them. What does it look like? How does that happen? You know, there's maybe a little bit more of a learning curve. But again, you have people driving carts uh, and, and there's certainly a learning curve with that and certainly some liability with that. And and we've all seen things go terribly wrong with that. But, you know, I don't see why courses wouldn't maybe look that way. Falling ponds like you're holding a ball retriever. Yeah, this is it. It could save lives. It could <laughs> save lives, people. And on that note. <laughs> all right, Brett, what do you got? Electric carts? You glad they made it over here with you? They made the journey with you? Yeah, a thousand percent yes. I mean, I've been using them since 12 years old, since I started playing golf. Um, it's, there is no stigma in England, and it's probably a reason why we're beating you in the Ryder Cup. Um, <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that war turn out? That 1700, there's a war? I, I would guess that if, if the Ryder Cup was just England, you would probably get your asses handed to you mightily. Yeah, we probably would, but I'm talking about Europe. Mm. Europe in general, they are, they are yeah. everywhere. Now, the reason why is... You get to play golf the way it was intended to be played, in a way. And and yes, you could have hold, the... hold on. Electric <laughs> No, it does because you're the game's walking... a lot older than electric carts. <laughs> I am saying electric carts. Are you cart... sure? When old Tom Morris charged his first electric cart battery. <laughs> oh my god. What I said is it's it, it allows you to play the way golf was intended to play because you're walking down the fairway without any stress or fear of your bad back with your clubs on your back, you're not, you're, you're walking the course and you're in the zone more. And if you're focusing on your bad back with your, with your clubs on there, you can't get in the zone as easy as walking down the fairway and thinking about your next shot. A one way you're gonna, you're gonna beat the stigma of electric car is to do what they do in England and Europe is the pro shops will rent them out and use them for a round. And it's $5 for a round and you rent them out. And then more and more, you get to use them and, and say, you know what, this is pretty decent. So it would be the same as like a, a typical cart, like a typical golf cart, you could rent them for a round. Yeah, but you're, you're walking and it's five bucks and you go around the, it's just, it's so it's much just, better I, than than getting in a golf cart. And I get that down in Florida, you, you're not gonna wanna play in and walk the course in 150 degree heat, wherever it is. I know that's not gonna be a, a thing that happens, but Everywhere else in, in America, up north, if you've got a very hilly course, I think they're going to do really well. I think electric carts in general are going to take off here very soon. And I think the renting option is the way forward. And that's how they're going to break into the, the uh, North American market. I think the obstacle is still cost, right? I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That and I think there are a, there's a significant percentage of Americans who just don't want to walk, period. But... A consensus in the hot seat this week, guys. Um, that's all I've got. So unless anybody else has any, you know, relevant news that we need to discuss today. Chris, did you eat anything? I didn't. Are you hungry? Are you okay? I'm, I didn't see you I'm, eating anything. I am starving right now. I have okay. not eaten a single thing today. I did take a, 
my weekly CBD or my daily CBD. Okay, we're I was on, worried about you. We're on lemon lime, right. and I found this crazy, crazy, super advanced design for a golf tee. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. It's a tee. Yeah, but but is does is that one of our logo tees? It is actually. I just found yeah it no. On the so yeah. so we we use a special paint for that that significantly reduces friction and, oh. and can add up to forty yards to, to a drive even and and that's with a swing speed of only eighty miles an hour and that is some shit that is absolutely not true and I just made that up. Yeah, I could hit it just as far <laughs> if I used women's clubs with this. <laughs> Maybe I can go get that women's lawnmower later this afternoon. So I wait. Yeah. I, I, you know, if that was a thing, maybe my wife would mow the lawn every now and again. <laughs> She'd make you mow the lawn with it and your and your pineapple shirt. All right, fellas. Well, thank you for helping me attack systematic gender inequalities today and talking about some advanced golf tees and other things like that. Like I said, if you love our new format, let us know and we'll do better we'll try to make sure we stick to week. it next week. What format? <laughs> Four retrievers save lives. <laughs> <laughs> we out. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>